Listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig, LLP. This Global IQ Minute is with David Miliband, President and CEO of the International Rescue Committee, a position he has held since September 2013. Prior to joining the IRC, which has its headquarters in New York City, Mr. Miliband, a member of the Labor Party, represented South Shields from 2001 to 2013. Among several ministerial positions, Mr. Miliband was the 74th Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs. A graduate of Oxford University, he also holds a master's degree in political science from MIT. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. What is the impact of the Trump administration's, now the second executive order, which suspends refugee arrivals for 120 days, which has been temporarily suspended due to a federal court ruling? This uncertainty must make it very challenging and difficult for the IRC and for similar organizations to plan. Well, I think that the Trump administration's multiple executive orders on refugees have had two impacts, both of which are serious and far more serious than on my organization. They've been serious first for refugees themselves, and secondly for America's reputation in the world. In respect of refugees, there are 60,000 people around the world who have passed the US vetting system and are ready to come to America. They have, some of them, sold up in Jordan or Lebanon or Kenya or Ethiopia. They're ready to get their travel documents, and then they're told that they're on hold for at least four months and possibly longer. So for them, there is this whiplash effect of their lives being thrown into even more chaos because these are people who've come through hell to uh, escape from war zones and get the chance to remake their lives. Secondly, there's obviously the danger that America's reputation as an upholder of humanitarian values is now on fire. And that's a very dangerous message. I was in Iraq and Lebanon a couple of weeks ago. And obviously the question that people are all asking is, does America stand by its friends? Does it stand by people who've worked with the US in Iraq, for example? And is it willing to continue to uphold a leadership position? And that's something that's very dangerous, frankly, not just for America's moral reputation, but also its strategic interests. You know, President Trump, during the campaign and now as president, keeps on using these words, extreme vetting. But isn't it true that the United States has had one of the most comprehensive, really stringent application processes for refugees for a very long time? Well, that's a great point. I mean, in many ways, we've got extreme vetting in the U.S. already. I think that the only good thing about this controversy is it allows me to come on podcasts like this and say that for the average refugee coming to America, it's an 18 to 24-month process of vetting. For all refugees, it involves biometric testing. It involves 12 to 15 different government agencies. It involves multiple in-person interviews. And all the way through, the burden of proof is on the refugee to prove that they're going to be a productive and patriotic resident and citizen of this country. Uh, there's no requirement on the US authorities to take these people. So all of the onus is on the refugee. All of the choice is on the American authorities. And if they're not family ties, is it true that a refugee doesn't always know which country they're going to go to? I mean, it's not that they can just suddenly raise their hand and say, I want to go to the United States and, and not the Netherlands. No, they register with the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. The United Nations High Commission for Refugees then puts them through the pipeline of whether or not they're sufficiently vulnerable. They're then allocated to different countries. 33 countries took refugees 
on the refugee resettlement route last year in, in total for, through the UN. The US, to be fair, was the largest. Last year, about 80,000 refugees came to the US. The plan was that it would go up to 110,000. Um, out of a global refugee population of 25 million. So you can see that mm -hmm. uh, these are the lucky few. And the Trump administration, in addition to the four-month ban on refugees coming here while they re-examine the vetting system, they want to reduce the number to 50,000, which, of course, sticks in the gullet at a time when there is this global refugee crisis. You know, I just saw this HBO documentary, and I suspect you have seen it or are aware of it, Cries from Syria. I haven't yet seen it, but I'm very much aware of it. It is very, very powerful, yeah. and of course it highlights the thousands of children who have been unable to attend school, in addition to losing their homes and in all too many cases their families. What role is the IRC playing in helping these kids? Well, one reason I wanted to join the International Rescue Committee in 2013 is that we are in the unique position of working right across the arc of crisis. We work in the war zones of Somalia, Syria, South Sudan, where we provide health care and protection for people. We work in the neighboring states that take most refugees, Kenya, Ethiopia, Lebanon, Jordan. We work on the refugee transit routes in Greece or in Serbia, and we do refugee resettlement here. So we see the full arc of crisis. I'm glad you mentioned education, because the truth is that when refugees leave their country, the chances are they're out for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And that means that education is a lifeline, not a luxury. Yet in the humanitarian system, too often it's presented as a luxury. We're helping, just to give you one example, 10,000 kids in Lebanon with community-based education. I mean, I've seen it for myself within the last couple of weeks. Extraordinary help for kids who have, frankly, they've got post-traumatic stress, and we're trying to help them get over it through what we call our healing classrooms approach. We're teaching them to come to terms with what they've been through. But the tragedy is there are about 250,000 Syrian kids in Lebanon, just in Lebanon, getting no education at all. And that is a recipe so not just for spoiled lost lives, generation. but it's a, the danger of a lost generation. And frankly, the devil makes work for idle hands. There's a danger associated with it as well. You know, in our audience are people who obviously are, are members of the World Affairs Council and others who want to be globally engaged. What can our listeners do to help? I think that there are three things I'd ask people to do. First of all, we'd love them to become volunteers or supporters of the IRC here in Texas, in Dallas, in Abilene, in Midland. They can volunteer to mentor people. If they're running a business, they could help us with pro bono legal advice. They could help us with pro bono... And not just in market. Texas, but you have offices all we across the country. We have the 29 country. offices around the US, obviously, and the wonders of modern technology. I mean, I'm not just speaking to Dallas or to Texas today. I'm speaking to the world. But we love to have pro bono support, whether personal or institutional. Secondly, I think it's very important, especially now, that people who are part of the World Affairs Council raise their voice. America is part of the world, not separate from the world. America upholds global, the global system, but it also benefits from the global system. And now is a time when American voices are needed. People say that there's a backlash against refugees, but the truth is that for every person who's afraid of a refugee, there's someone who says, hang on, my neighbor's a refugee. Hang on, my parent was a refugee. Hang on, I'm a refugee myself. And those voices are important. I think it's very important that Congress people hear that refugees have become productive and patriotic citizens. Remember, you know, Einstein founded... And that they're documented. Well, Einstein founded the International Rescue Committee. He was a refugee. Andy Grove, every computer in the world has got an Intel 
Chip, he was a refugee, resettled by the IRC. Madeleine Albright became your Secretary of State, was a refugee. Sergey Brin was a refugee, founder of Google. The Steve Jobs. And indeed, the president of the IRC has refugees in his background. I have refugees that people may, I think that I wouldn't claim that's as noteworthy as Andy Grove or Sergey Brin or Madeleine Albright, but Steve Jobs' biological father was a Syrian refugee. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a second point. Thirdly, obviously, we're an NGO that doesn't just need voice, we need to build up a war chest to get through the next few years because both around the world and here our services are under grave threat and although I'm British and so therefore can't stand talking about money. I've lived in New York for three years, and that means that You're I'm, more much, comfortable more, I'm much, more, <laughs> much more comfortable saying on a podcast like this, if you have means, mm -hmm. you know, if you have limited means, become a monthly supporter of ours. If you have significant means, become a significant donor of ours, because 93 cents in every dollar goes to the frontline programs, and we need it. And should I add also, it's important not just to talk to your congressional representatives, but people at the local level. I've just met the mayor of Dallas. In Dallas, in Houston, in Abilene, local state officials have been very important. But obviously, at state level here, there have been some very fiery things said by people in leading positions in the state. And actually, Texas has hugely benefited from being open to the world. And long may that continue. You know, sadly, the world's attention span is so short. And it's often driven by the lens of the media, particularly CNN in this country and maybe around the world. And so we're really aware of what's happening in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. But there's another crisis that is brewing, and that's the one in Yemen. What is the situation there on the ground? Well, now? I'm glad you asked. I mean, the truth is that for our generation now, we've got no excuse. Previous generations could say, well, I didn't know what was happening sure. far away. Today, we've got no excuse. In four countries, Yemen, South Sudan, Somalia, and Northeast Nigeria, we've got an unprecedented four-country famine that is facing those countries. We're on the ground. The International Rescue Committee is on the ground in every one of those countries. All I can tell you is that, to take Yemen as an example, 80% of the population of that country, the population is 25 million, 80% are dependent on international humanitarian aid. In significant parts of the country, there's a war going on, civilians under threat. When I did the video conference, audio conference with my country team, my emergency team that's in Yemen, they said, look, we're in nine provinces of the country, but we can't get to other places because of the way the war is being waged, a war without law, not just a war without end. And what I would say to people is that incredibly brave Yemeni and other citizens are on the ground working for us there, and they are making a difference. But it's a very bleak situation. And all four of the countries I mentioned, these are man-made crises. The famines of the 1980s somehow seemed like a disaster. These are man-made crises. And if something's made by man, it can be remedied by man, and man and woman, and it needs to be. Let us hope so, and that's an optimistic note on which we'll close. Thank you very much, David Miliband, for being our guest on Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com.